Hey everybody, it's the Ask Me Anything episode, and I am so excited to have you with us today. Also, I've got a brand new co-host with me. She's the most wonderful, incredible co-host. I can't wait for you to meet her. My name is Adam Shaw. And I'm Stephanie Shaw. And this is The Restorationist. Well, good day, everybody, and welcome to The Restorationist. My name is Adam Shaw, and I'm so glad to have you with me today. I just want to say thank you to everyone that has taken the time to leave a rating or a review on the podcast. It means the world to me first, and also it helps introduce this podcast to a brand new audience. So thank you so much for all of you. I opened my tracker app the other day, and it looks like we have around 275 five-star reviews. Thank you so much for taking that kind of time. It, it means so much. Also, shout out to everybody that has been taking screenshots of the podcast and um, on your player and then sharing that to Instagram or sharing that to Facebook. That is so cool. Thank you so much for doing that. And uh, again, that's just another way that this podcast can uh, get the word out there and more people can hear about it and, and give it a listen. So we received a lot of questions um, for me to answer in this episode. It's our first kind of crowdsourced episode, and I'm going to do my best to answer some of them. We're not going to be able to get to all of them. We'll have to save the rest for another episode. We won't be able to do every question, especially um, the one person who submitted over 350 questions. You know who you are. Um, Anyway, you'll hear some of those. But I'm about to turn this over to the co-host, for the Ask Anything episode today. Hey, Steph. How you doing? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. I'm so excited to be able to do this with you. Um, ready to go? Yeah, absolutely. All right. I am going to turn the hosting chair over to you. We received quite a few different questions, and some are big and serious, and others are fun and lighthearted, so we'll kind of try to mix it up as we go. So the first question was from Brock, and he said, why did you start the podcast? Did you feel like God was calling you to teach the next generation and your generation? Thanks, Brother Shaw. Love the podcast. Well, thanks, Brock. I really appreciate you uh, listening. There's really two big reasons why we started The Restorationist. Initially, the seed idea was to talk to preachers about their process, about how they go about putting sermons together. and Because typically what we hear is, if you want to be an effective preacher, you need to pray, you need to fast, and you need to read your Bible. And of course, all of that is true. But I have always felt that that was the baseline. And there are some amazing preachers out there that, frankly, I just I wanted to learn from. I wanted to talk about the mechanics of how they put together their great messages. I want to talk about the process of that. And so as I was thinking through interviewing preachers, as I started walking through that idea in my head, I started thinking about how we needed to have a space in the Pentecostal church, in the apostolic church, to talk about ideas and stuff that's happening in the world from an apostolic worldview and perspective. I I started looking locally and and then in my province and in the Ontario district, and I I started looking at how many young adults I knew 
that were listening to podcasts in my church, in my district, and and they were kind of gleaning from all of these different ideas. Uh, some were business, some were political or philosophical, and uh, some even claimed to be supporting Judeo-Christian uh, worldviews or Judeo-Christian values. But for all of the good, the podcasts that the people I was tasked with leading, these podcasts, you know, weren't rooted in an apostolic worldview. And, and ideas are so important. So ideas shape the world. They shape our view of the world. They, they, they shape how we interact with the world. And uh, because these podcasts were business or political or philosophical, they're solutions, to how to handle the biggest questions of the day were philosophical or economic or political, but almost none of them were ever spiritual. And there's a lot of other great, you know, Christian podcasts out there, but none of them were really approaching solutions from the fact that we have to be led of the spirit. So I was like, man, I, I, there's a space here for me to talk about ideas. And so kind of what really pushed me to do it was I did some, uh, you know, ask me a question thing on Instagram stories. And I had been talking about this preaching podcast idea with my friends, uh, Kelvin and Ryan. And um, Justin Johns messaged me and shout out, Justin, I hope you're, hope you're getting better and feeling better. Um, and said, dude, you should totally do a podcast with some of the stuff that you're talking about. And so that kind of pushed me to the edge because Again, all of the ideas that people were listening to, they weren't rooted in the Bible or the revelation of the oneness of God or the power of the gospel. And the biblical story and the experience of the Holy Spirit should really drive and shape everything that we do. That story should inform everything we do. And so I saw a vacuum that I felt the podcast medium was the best way to do it. So, so, so Brock, I didn't start out with the idea, let's do a podcast. I started out with with thinking, I want to talk to preachers about how they put together their messages, and I want to talk about ideas and issues in the world from a biblical worldview, and the podcast medium was just like the perfect way to make that happen. And as far as the name Restorationist goes, that is entirely inspired by Dr. Robin Johnston's book, uh, Howard Goss, A Pentecostal Life. And in that book, he, using the story of Howard Goss and the, who is a Canadian, by the way, and Dr. Johnson's a Canadian as well, um, uh, used the story of Howard Goss and the early Pentecostal revival to talk about how Pentecostals were different than every other religious movement at the turn of the 20th century, that they had this restorationist impulse. They weren't interested in tradition. They weren't interested in, um, in all the church councils, the rallying cry of the early Pentecostal churches, let's be like the book of Acts. And so they were trying to live out values while also being super practical about how they could reach people. And, and you know, in his book, when he talked about this restorationist impulse of the early church, I was like, this is what I want to, do in the podcast. And so that, that became the title of the way I branded the podcast is the restoration is talking to preachers and talking about ideas from this perspective. Let's be like the book of Acts church and let's reach our world today. And it's hard to believe that we're a year and a half down the road from when you originally started. So that's pretty exciting. <laughs> I know, I know so much has changed, um, since then, but yeah, it's now a year and a half. It's pretty cool. 
Okay, the next question is from Robert, and he asked, how do you find motivation not to give up because I am close? Robert, I want you to know that I am so sorry that you are going through this. I want you to know that when I read this, um, I said a prayer uh, for you because um, you must be under a tremendous amount of, of pressure to, to ask this kind of question. So I want you to know that my heart, I know Steph's as well, is, is full of empathy and prayer for you. And so I want you to know that there are people that care, number one. Number two, if you're, if you're trying to find motivation not to give up, I would say I have, I have been in at some pretty low points in my life, and the one thing that I always, that I always used to try to pull back to when, when I need to stir myself was, was to remember my purpose. Remember my purpose. Life can be brutally hard. Life can be really rough. And it's that purpose, that meaning or that mission that you feel has been given to you by God. You stir that up. It's like Joseph. You know, Joseph in the Bible, he had this dream from God, this mission from God. And then his brother sold him into slavery. He was falsely accused. He was forgotten in prison. But he managed to keep his eyes on the purpose that God had for him. And he was able to thrive in whatever environment because he remembered his purpose. So you need to remember your purpose. Remember your purpose. Remind yourself that God has called you and God has purpose for you. Number two, embrace the grind, bro. Sometimes life is hard and it's a grind. Learn to love the sweat and the grit of life because oftentimes that is where the greatest transformation in your life is going to come from. It's going to come from that grind and that work ethic. Um, I would say the next thing is rest. Take a break. And I know, Steph, when we were talking about this uh, in our pre-show, um, which makes us sound fancy, um, you had some really great points to share with Robert um, about rest. Yeah. From from my perspective, often when I'm feeling the burn and I feel, um, you know, like I'm, I want to just give up. And um, I think sometimes the thing that helps me the most is literally one of the simplest things, and that is just taking time to rest, whether it's going to have a nap and just, you know, um, restoring your body in that way, or whether it's going for a walk and getting outside. Um exercise is a great thing to change your mood and the way that you're feeling. And sometimes you just need a vacation or just to get away. And that's a little bit of a longer break. But when you get away, don't take, you know, your phone with you or, you know, stay connected to everything around you, but actually take that time to actually have a break. And, you know, I was reading that scripture and it says, it's in Psalms 19. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. You want to feel connected to God? Go spend some time outside. Go camping. Look at nature. Look at the sky, the things that God created. And oftentimes, that's alone enough to just breathe restoration into your mind and your body and your soul. Absolutely. I think rest is so important. And um, it helps kind of hit that reset on your hit that reset in your brain, reset in your mind. I, I saw a funny meme. Um, maybe you shared it with me about Elisha. Was it Elisha or was it, yeah, was it Elijah? Or, I think it was Elijah. Elijah was running away from Jezebel. And he was ready to give up. He fell down under a juniper tree and he slept. And he was awoken 
by an angel kicking him in the side who had baked him a meal. And the meme said, sometimes all you need is a nap and a snack to be able to keep going on. Because after that, he went and into the mountain. And that's where he heard the still small voice of God. Right, yep. And sometimes, Robert, what you need to do is you need to take, some, take a couple of days off work, take advantage of a long weekend, and nap, and have some snacks. You'll feel better. Lastly, talk to God about this. You know, prayer is not just for you to name and to claim the things that you want. There is, there is room in our prayer for lament to talk to God about the brokenness of our heart, to talk to God about the rough things that life has thrown our way and how we're not happy with it. God wants to hear those things and can minister to us when we feel low like that. But what we've got to do is we've got to be open and vulnerable with God about how we're feeling. And also, I would say talk to someone. If you're feeling like giving up, thank you for reaching out to me. But I would say also reach out to your pastor, reach out to a spiritual leader in your life, and just be real with them and talk about how you are feeling. We're praying for you, Robert. Man, these, these past two questions were a little heavy. They were really heavy. So the next one that we have is a little bit more lightheaded. Sorry. No, no, that works. <laughs> that works. Go ahead. Who's it from? <laughs> It is from the <laughs> the bane of your existence. Yes, the bane of my existence. The person who submitted 350 of the most random <laughs> questions in the world, like where would you hide a giraffe? Things like that. What is what is one food that you really you know who you are, Jordan? I found you out. I you know no no these questions are great. Uh, we're, let's let's deal with one of the questions from the bane of my existence. <laughs> so this one is a question. I feel like you have probably a lot of experience to actually answer this. So oh, it is. Yes. What is your cure for hiccups? Yes, I do have some personal experience with this. Many people do not know, but I am often cursed. Steph, you know this. I do. Yeah. With hiccups, wild hiccups. And they're, they're violent hiccups. And so first, I, I do want to say that um, just because I have an influencer badge on my Instagram account, <laughs> I, I, I don't dispense medical advice. That's I'm not a medical doctor. And my answering of this question is purely for the entertainment of the bane of my existence and all of you who are hiccup strugglers. So number one, I, I, I have two methods. The first one, the easiest one is I just hold my breath for a really long time. Um, and uh, as long as I can. And I timed it um, when I had hiccups a, a little while ago and I got up to 48 seconds. And then I started feeling weird and I'm like, no, I need to breathe. And, uh, and then when I let, you know, I start to breathe and I take in very slow breaths and control uh, and then if that doesn't work, I try to drink a full glass of water in tiny little sips um, without taking a breath. And that usually, that usually helps. Next question. You're right. And uh, I'll never forget the time that you had hiccups for over 24 hours after you had your some teeth out. So. Oh, yeah. That was a great time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was great for all of us. <laughs> now, I also heard that under anesthetic that I was pretty wild. Like I had some crazy things to say in the waiting room when I woke up. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I had a video on for sure. Yeah, no, I, re I remember that when they put me out, I started screaming because um, I'd never been <laughs> under general anesthetic before. And the last thing I remember is as I was fighting the anesthetic, which is the, what they told me not to do, 
they were wheeling in the next room because it was just like this this wide open field hospital of a dentist office and they were wheeling in this like 17 16 70 year old guy in a wheelchair and he looks at the last thing i remember before i went out was how afraid my screams <laughs> made him look anyway we're off track um give me another fun light-hearted question okay this one's from jeremy and he said, should a leader purchase all of their coffee beans from Onyx in order to be truly effective? Jeremy, shout out to Jeremy. Also, shout out to my good friend, Chantry Dean. Short answer is yes. Yes, you should. Everyone who drinks coffee should drink Onyx coffee. I love Onyx. I am jealous of Jeremy. I am jealous of Chantry. I'm jealous of Paul Price. I'm jealous of all of my friends in the Northwest Arkansas Bentonville area that get to be near Onyx. Uh, it's 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 my favorite coffee. It's the coolest coffee shop I've ever been to. And and I mean, not not to flex on the podcast. I I really like coffee. And so one of the things I do when I travel for ministry, and we've we've been together like all over the world, is we find really cool coffee. Well, I find really good coffee shops, and then I make you come to them with me. And so we've been to coffee shops all over the world and all sorts of different countries and continents. And honestly, Onyx is, is like the best coffee shop in the world. And, and you've never been there, but your favorite coffee mug in the world is from, is from Onyx. That's an inside joke with us. She hates the mug I bought her. Um, but it's probably changed so much. But one of the things I love about Onyx, it has a mod bar, it had nitro on tap. It had like this, this giant Japanese slow drip cold brew tower. But the best part is their coffee. They don't sponsor me at all. But if any of you that live in Bentonville, Northwest Arkansas area, want to do like a little screen capture of the podcast and just like send it to, I think their head roaster guy, his name was Bear, which is like the coolest name for a hipster coffee shop guy to have. His name was Absolutely. Bear yeah. and uh, or whoever else is there uh, and just let them know that I love the coffee and I give them a shout out on the podcast. Maybe they'll send me some. I don't know. But no. Yes, Jeremy. If you want to be effective, especially if you live in Bentonville, you need to go to Onyx Coffee. All right, let's shift gears. Let's let's enough, enough of the silliness. Let's get to another great big question. Steph, hit me up. Okay, so the next set of questions deal with relationships and also productivity. So the first question was from Joel, and it said, how do you and Steph maintain a healthy marriage while doing all ministry life work that you do? Okay, so we had a conversation a bit about this, and um, do you want to start off? Sure. All right, go ahead. The most important advice that I would give someone who wants to work on their marriage relationship or just, you know, have a healthier marriage relationship is to be intentional. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, we're, we're in such a busy time. Like, there's, there's never a moment in your day when something is not vying for your attention. You Absolutely. know, working full-time. Um, having, you know, children, young child, the church, um, All social of the media. <laughs> All of the stuff just kind of shouting for your attention. Yeah, there's so many things. And, and if it's not one of those things, it's just part of the daily grind, you know, doing the dishes, cutting the lawn, maintaining your home. I mean, there's just so many things that are vying for your attention. And, and then when it, you finally get to the end of the day and you're, you know, you finish the dishes and your children are in bed and it's just so easy to take that time. And just, you know, feel like, oh, I don't have anything left at this point. And I have to, you know, I just want to chill on the couch and go watch, on autopilot. Yeah, go on autopilot. I just want to relax. I want to, you know, just 
pick up my phone and just do nothing, you know, surf social media or, you know, just do things that don't matter. But I think that, um, you know, it's really important that you are very intentional with your relationship and that you take time for your spouse. You know, having conversations just about how are you doing? How was your day today? You know, um, you know, are you feeling okay? Just basic things that are um, just mean so much to the other person. Because yeah. if you allow other things to push in and, you know, so that you're not having those regular conversations, then that's when things begin to build up and they begin to create pressure in your relationship. And so making sure that you're taking that time on a regular basis to connect with your spouse and just have very clear communication. Um, that's one of the major things that has helped us definitely in our relationship. And, um, I think another thing that has also been very impactful for us was when we went through the three questions for the frantic family. Yes. That, that process was absolutely amazing for yes. our family. And we're going to be, we're, we've talked about, doing a few episodes about our experience with that process because it was so much of a game changer for us in, in our marriage and in our whole family. And and I'm not, I'm not a person who quickly buys into an idea and it, it took you a while to even convince me to yes. read the book. Yes, I remember. <laughs> but once I read it, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And it was actually really life-changing for us because it just helped relieve so much pressure in different areas of our lives because it helped us take um, expectations off ourselves that weren't our values. So we yeah. were we were living out expectations, you know, that whether it was like the world or people around us or families or traditions, all those kinds of things are just pressing down on us. But when we, when we actually sat down and took the time to um, create our family core values, yeah, to to figure out what are our core values, it really changed a lot in our relationship and helped relieve a lot of the pressure. So, um, if you don't have that book, I'd recommend you know grabbing that book. It's definitely it was a one hundred percent a game changer for us, and I think that in the future we're gonna you know hopefully talk about that. Yeah, and our family values that we created is that we are Christ centered, kingdom minded family focused and adventurous. And when we created those values or when we unveiled or discovered that those was, those were our core values, we said, everything we do is going to run through the filter of this. And that, that was one, one, you know, positive step towards creating a a healthier home and a healthier marriage. And I have a few other uh, points I kind of want to throw out there. Number one, Steph, you are amazing. <laughs> you No, you really are. You are the glue that keeps our family together. And so, um, uh, and so number one, you are awesome. So that's why we have a healthy marriage. Thank you. Um, I would also say that what, what we need to do is, is three things on top of the stuff that Steph, Steph mentioned. And that is, number one, we need to embrace rhythm over balance. I don't like the word balance because I don't think it's realistic. I think we set ourselves up for unmet expectations when we are when we are trying to balance our life because that's not reality. There are there are times and seasons in your life where you 100% are going to be out of balance. You know, for example, it, we serve our district, right? Um and so when we have youth camps or youth conventions, our, you know, home life and and family you know family time is that's out the window because it's all hands on deck for a few weeks and there's an enormous amount of pressure so one of the things that we have embraced is the concept of rhythm like a song sometimes the beat is fast 
sometimes the beat is slow. And so you have to embrace, you have to embrace the fact that sometimes life is just going to be crazy and the pendulum is going to swing to an extreme. If you got a family member who's sick or you got a child going through, you know, Judah had to go through his foot surgeries and all that kind of stuff that all of a sudden you, the pendulum swings towards family hard and everything else you're doing is going to be put on hold or not going to receive the same level of attention. I think you embrace the fact that life can be chaotic, but then what you do is like you said, you're intentional. And when you have a moment to swing the pendulum back towards that middle ground, that's when you swing it, you swing it back. So, but, but realize that sometimes life will be out of balance and whether, you know, it's, you know, for our family, it's district or travel or your job, which can be really hectic, you know, working for a hospital company, um, that can be pretty intense. I remember when we built our church software system, like our, our church management software system, that was like two or three weeks of like 12, 14 hour days. And I thought I was losing my mind. And, and so like, that's just that it's just what it was. It's sometimes it just be like that. And so it's understanding that life can be chaotic. Let's roll with it. And then when we have a moment to, to take back control of our time, we bring it, we bring it back into uh, into that happy middle ground. So embrace the rhythm, the rhythms of life. Number number two, I would say nothing and no one will ever be perfect all of the time. That your spouse is a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Always a work in progress. And I think that one of the things that we have to do is we got to get rid of our idol to the ideal, the ideal life, the ideal person. Social media is like the worst for this because we're watching everyone's highlight reel and that has like crazy filters over it. And we don't, we don't see, we don't see the real. And so what we do is we judge our real life by someone's like projected image. And we build this idol, this false idol to an ideal relationship and an ideal spouse that is completely unrealistic and not even healthy at all. So understand that you're a work in progress, your spouse is a work in progress, and nothing is going to be perfect because you're not perfect and your spouse is not perfect. That's why we all need Jesus. So embrace that, topple the idol to the ideal, and um, and just understand that we're a work in progress. Oh, one, one more thing, one more thing before we go to the next question, and that is embrace the grind of life. That's one thing that you and I are really good at, I think, you know, beyond the values is that we know how to work. Mm -hmm. We know how to work hard. Um, We know how to deal with sometimes that life is is messy and it's very busy and there are long days and long nights. And so we're going to embrace the grind because we're going to do that together. And so, you know, that's, you know, uh, that's one thing that I would I would say is that finally embrace the grind. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes a lot of work. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, this gritty kind of just busy process. If you're doing it together, then that's great. Yep. Embrace that. Go ahead. Um, there was also a follow-up question and it said, how do you handle conflict in marriage, church, family, and the people that you lead? You know, that's a great question. Thank you, Joel, for the follow-up. I would, you know, let's deal with the marriage and family stuff first. Let's deal with the marriage and family stuff first. And I know that you have some points, Steph, that you want to make on this one. So I want I want you to take the lead. 
So the first point um, in how do you handle conflict is actually have conflict. Be comfortable with conflict. And I know that this is something that Adam and I have had to work on. (laughs) Yes, yes. We're both very dominant personalities. Yes, very super type A. We both are. But all in different ways, in In different ways. Completely different ways. But we're also very direct with each other. And so... um, Something that we've had to learn is how to have healthy conflict. And one thing that I've learned from you, Adam, is actually that you're the king of the awkward conversation. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And it's true. But, you know, whether it's a a conversation with me or with somebody else, you just get get the awkward, whatever situation it is, out on the table and actually talk through it. And you know what? If you're able to do that... Um, it releases so much pressure and it just helps you to be healthy in your in your life and in your marriage and with others around you. So don't be afraid. Don't shy away. Sometimes and I know from my personality, when I grew up, I was I was not a person who who embraced conflict. But I think that I'm more emotionally healthy now than I've ever been because I've learned how to have that conflict as opposed to just internalize it. Because the conflict is not going away. Just because you don't verbalize it does not mean it's not going away. It just means that you've internalized it. So I think that it's actually healthier to just get it out, talk about it, talk about it in a healthy way. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be rude. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, um, be be unhealthy about the way that you talk to your spouse or discuss things. Um, but just be comfortable with the fact that conflict is healthy. And um, one of the books that we've read is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And yeah. one of the things that he says um, is the fear of conflict. That's one of the dysfunctions of teams is the fear of conflict. And so you need to also read that book if you haven't read it because, um, again, Patrick Lencioni. Um, yeah. <laughs> Phenomenal. He's like my favorite author. <laughs> he really resonates with our family. Yeah. But, um, but read that book as well because it's got great uh, tips in there about how to have healthy conflict and not to shy away from it. And so we, we prepared our notes um, our thoughts separately. So I didn't give you my thoughts and then that influenced yours. What you you kind of developed your, your thoughts on this question. So yeah. I'm going to take over and, and hit a couple of points. Uh, but my first, so your first words was have conflict. My first words are how do you, when it, to answer the question, how do you handle conflict was openly and directly. <laughs> no, and, and you're right. I am the king of the awkward conversation and I'm actually proud of that. Because um, I think the Bible commands us to have conflict in a healthy way. You know, the scripture, Jesus said, if your brother has offended you or you know that you have offended your brother, if you think there's, if you think there's offense either way, so like you've hurt his feelings or he's hurt your feelings, um, you got to leave your gift at the altar yeah. and you got to go make it right. And, and here's my philosophy on that. Why live full of resentment mm-hmm. against your spouse, your husband or your wife? You're supposed to love and to cherish and honor them in sickness and in health, forsaking all other, you know, the vows that we made. You can't do that when you are full of resentment. When you like can't stand them because there's all this unresolved tension that's lying beneath the surface. So our family philosophy is if there's any tension, you just drag it out into the light and you handle your business. You know, something that really speaks to me in that scripture is when it says, leave your gift at the altar. 
And as somebody who's grown up in the church and, you know, I take my relationship with God very seriously. And something that I take pride in is, is the, the gift that I feel like I can give back to God, whether it's my time or my money or, you know, how I serve God. And if God says, leave that at the altar, then it lets me know how important he considers the reconciliation process. Absolutely. Our goal should always be when we go to enter into conflict is not how, how can I blow up my spouse? How can I win this fight? You know, and especially if you're a strong personality or strong personalities and you're competitive, there's a bit of that inside, right? You're like, I want to win. I want to win this argument. But no, one of the things we've worked so hard in is like, there's no ego in the room because this is about coming together and about having reconciliation. Something that really spoke to me uh, this earlier this year when I was working on um, a memorization verse with Judah, and he was memorizing 1 Corinthians 13. And, you know, he was going through the, the verse, and it was he was saying, love is patient, and it is kind, and it doesn't envy, and it's not proud or boast and dishonor and self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. And and, and, and as he was saying them, I was, I was applying it to my life in my mind of, you know, situations that I was maybe frustrated with or, you know, something had bothered me. I didn't like the way that somebody had talked to me or something that they said that I thought was maybe rude or, and, and, and this was playing over in my mind. And I realized that this scripture is so key for how we, we deal with our spouse and, and other relationships, not just our spouse, but others around us as well. And I think the key thing with this verse is it's not saying, you know, your spouse is patient, your spouse is kind. But you're, when I read this scripture, it's talking about me. Yeah. And so forget, forget worrying about how your spouse is treating you. But just take a look at the scripture and, and say, am I being kind? Am, am, am I, you know, not being envious or, or not being proud or not dishonoring my spouse? And I think that if we could just focus on ourselves and actually live out that scripture. Absolutely. You know, it, it, would, change, it, it would change us so much that we wouldn't even have to worry about how our spouse is treating us because, because we would be able to change the relationship just by the way that we're treating them. I think you're so right. And, you know, we've been in and pastoral ministry now for about 15 years in some capacity. And one of the things that we do is we, we've talked to dozens and dozens of young couples about their marriage. And we've talked about our own marriage. And one of the things that, that we always circle back to is fix yourself. Mm-hmm. Stop worrying about how the other person is wrong or how you've been wronged by the other person and pointing out their flaws work on you, work on your own spiritual life, work on your own character, work on your own personal productivity. And it's amazing that when you give the other person love and you set the high bar of accountability for yourself, Mm -hmm. the health that you just breathe into, into your marriage. You're right. So one of the things that, that Joel asked about was how do you handle conflict in other kinds of relationships? And whether it's church or and and work or just just other relationships, so because the husband and wife relationship, the marriage relationship, is so different, um, I have a few other things that uh, that pertain to other types of of relationships that are kind of general principle. So when you're dealing with conflict with other people, like for example, in the in the church, um, I think it's so important to remember that as leaders, we're not politicians that message manage people. We don't, we, that's not, that's not something that we do. We're, we're not politicians that are trying to, you know, manage relationships. We're, 
we're leaders, which means we lead authentically. And so if there is an issue, you drag it into the light and you clear the air and you do it in a spirit of love. Here are some clarifiers or some some boundaries that that I think we should put on conflict that we have in church or in work relationships uh, or even or even marriage. Um, open and direct conflict does not equal being a jerk. And I think you mentioned that. You mentioned that already. That's so important that having open and direct and sometimes even heated or emotional discussions. It doesn't. It, it always needs to stick to the issue. It doesn't need to devolve into name calling uh, or being angry. One of the things that that I have learned, because I'm like like you said, the king of the awkward conversation. Like if there's an issue, we're gonna deal with it, and my impulse is to deal with it immediately. That's not always good. It's not always good because sometimes I'm you know I'm angry. I'm so you don't go if the goal of conflict is reconciliation the goal of conflict is to walk away and to be stronger and to be better and have that relationship be healthier in your church on your job in your marriage don't go in hot don't go in raging mad don't go into vent that i think that's something that's so important go in to restore go in to fix it go in to reconcile when now when when conflict steps outside of the home and into other areas of life whether it's you know church life or work life uh, a few other principles i i would i would say is be wise in it understand or ask yourself what is the win in this conversation what am i actually trying to get to don't don't allow your mind to chase rabbits in conflict keep your eyes laser focused on what you're trying to do and i think when you're dealing with conflicts with people you know outside of the home or uh, across across all spheres of life and in the world, I think it's so important to know the character of the people that you're dealing with. Know who those people are. Know what their character is. And if having conflict with someone about an issue would inflame tensions, and I know I, I realize we just said we're supposed to drag conflict out into the light, but we're to be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Mm-hmm. And I think if if we have our, you know, our spidey sense is tingling and we know that, that having conflict with this person right now would inflame tensions, that they're the kind of individual that could not handle this conversation, then what we've got to do is we've got to take that resentment and those strong emotions to the Lord in prayer. And we've got to make sure that our hearts don't become full of bitterness or don't become full of resentment or anger. And we have to love that individual. Sometimes we need to boundary them and take, you know, take breaks. And again, I'm talking outside of the home here. Um, take breaks of communication and, and maybe at times put people at arm's length. But uh, I think it's so important that before you enter into conflict, you have an idea of who the person is. And is, is this, if we have this fight about this issue, will there be restoration or will it make things worse? And if it will make things worse, you need to take your emotions about the issue to the Lord mm-hmm. and forgive them and move on. You're right, Adam. And uh, the last point I think that we can make is that not every fight is worth having, whether it's Absolutely. in the home, out of the home. Sometimes you just got to evaluate, you know, maybe this, I'm just having a bad day today. Yeah. So not every hill is worth dying on. Not, not every fight needs to be a fight. Sometimes you just need to let it go and pray about it. So we have one other question, and that was from Landon. And he said, what are some steps a man can take to ensure that whenever he is married, he's fully capable of being the spiritual leader in the home? Well, thank you, Landon. That's an excellent question. And so uh, here's a few things that I thought of 
as, as I read your question. Number one, if you're going to be the spiritual leader in a home, the first thing you need to be is spiritual. Mm -hmm. You need to be spiritual. This means you need to pray. You need to read your Bible. You need to understand the doctrines and teachings of the Bible. And you need to know how to apply those ideas so they don't just live in your head, but they bleed out into every area of your life. And so I'd say the first task for you to prepare is to be a spiritual man, to be a man that has, you know, plunged his mind, immersed his mind into God's word and is asking, how does this passage of scripture or how does this Bible doctrine impact me as a man in the world, in my life, as a husband, as a father, as a potential husband and father, and then spending time in prayer, seeking God, letting his spirit make, you know, kind of make you over. And then the second point I would say, Landon, is, is this, the kingdom of Jesus is upside down. What that means is it is completely different than the kingdoms of this world. It, it just is. And so, in the, in the kingdom of the world, leading means power. In the kingdom of God, leadership is service. Jesus said, let the greatest among you be your servant, right? And so a spiritual leader is a servant. A spiritual leader, and I, I believe that God has called men to be spiritual leaders in the home. And this does not mean that women are not leaders and are not spiritual leaders and, and are not able to be spiritual leaders in the local church. And we had a question about that. We'll handle in another episode or, uh, or, or be, you know, spiritual leaders in the workplace or anything or, or anything like that. I, but I do believe that God has uniquely wired and designed the human family so that the husband and father would be that spiritual leader. But, but Landon, let me tell you this. Here's one thing I've discovered, is that being a spiritual leader is about being the head servant of your house. It's so important. It's, you don't lead through power. You lead by example, and you lead through service. That means if I want my wife to pray, I don't tell her, go pray. I pray, number one, that would not work with you, would it? No, you already started laughing. No, what I do is I very obviously pray, mm -hmm. and I'm spiritual, and and the overflow of that compels my wife and my son to want to follow. So I serve my family. I don't lead through power. I lead through service. Another thing I would say on, on top of those, Landon, is, is number three, Know your personality type. If you're gonna, you gotta start working on you, man. If you're gonna be an effective spiritual leader, you gotta know yourself well. You gotta know your your strengths. You gotta know your weaknesses. And so I would say, know your personality type. I love Myers Briggs. I know a lot of people are all hype on the Enneagram right now. Uh, maybe it's the Type Four in me uh, that that you know doesn't doesn't like it because everyone's into it. Um, but um, if you want Enneagram, go for it. If you want the, the color one, I don't know what that one is, um, go for it. I like Myers-Briggs, but know your personality type. It'll give you your strengths. It'll give you your weaknesses. It'll give you your trigger points in relationships if you get a really good one. And that's really important, not to put you in a box, but to help you understand your strengths and 
uh, and and your weaknesses. So so be spiritual. Understand that leadership in the family at when you're a husband and father is being a servant. It's serving your family. Lead by example and work on yourself. Know your personality type. Learn your strengths. Learn your weaknesses. Learn your triggers, and work with the help of the Holy Spirit in refining those things. And and Steph, I think you had some points um, for. Uh, for a young woman that would become Landon's wife one day if he's not married. <laughs> so some things that I have that, um, you know, are important at, for women to do in order to support their husband being the spiritual leader in the home is um, you have to let your spouse lead. And, you know, Adam, when we first got married, I, yeah. w- I was older than you. I'm still I am. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I haven't added years yet. Um and, um, I, you know, I had more education than you. I'd been working longer than you. You had I'd, a car. <laughs> I had a car. That's probably why you married me. <laughs> no, um. <laughs> <laughs> no. Remember we had, we had, you had a car, you had way more money than I did. Um, possibly I, very, very assuredly I did. Yes. Yes. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know and, what to do. You knew what to do with the money. <laughs> we so, were young. I was 21 right. years yeah. old. And so it would have been easy because I had, a, you know, some different life experience. It would have been easy for me to assume that that role of spiritually leading in our home. And, um, and you know, and so, but I had to purposefully, in, you know, in our relationship, step back in that area and allow you to grow in that area. And so, and so how, you know, one of the things that you can do to, to help your spouse grow in that area, an example would be, um, you know, if you have a question about the Bible, don't run out and, and automatically ask someone else, but instead go to your spouse and say, you know, I don't really understand this. What do you think about this? And, and, you know, engage your spouse in that way to, to help them and, you know, and hopefully they'll have an aptitude to, you know, if they don't have the answer to go study about it, or maybe you can study about it together. Another thing that I would ask Adam to do is I'd say, you know, if something was bothering me, I'd say, Adam, please pray for me. And so just acknowledging that my spouse is the head over me in, in our home and that, you know, when he prays for me, that he is the head, the head of our home and he, you know, provides a covering for, for our home. I think one of the things she did is, you know, that statement we made earlier about your spouse is always a work in progress. Yeah. So you knew that you, you saw something in me that wasn't there yet. And you gave me opportunity to grow into it. And I'm sure I'm like most guys. And that is like, we want, we want to do a good job. Mm-hmm. We want, we want to be the hero. Right. And you gave me opportunities, whether it was questions about the, the Bible or something that you were reading. I mean, your dad's been a pastor and a district superintendent and a church planter. And and like you could have went to him for tons of that stuff early on. But you came to me and you gave me the opportunity to step up and rise to the occasion. And that that was, I think, something that was really important when I was 21 years old and had just moved out of my mom's house and and dad. So my, you know, my parents' house is that you gave me the opportunity and the occasion, despite, you know, all of the things you had that were more mature than me, Mm -hmm. you gave me the opportunity to grow. And I, I think it's had that opportunity was a game changer in our relationship. Well, I I think that's all the time we got. I felt like we covered some good ground. What do you think? It was fun. This was a lot of fun. You did so good. You did really good. 
you were you were a little nervous at the beginning but i was like no no it's gonna be great you did amazing thank you so much for hosting now we know that we've got a bunch of other questions that we need to get to um and so we're gonna get to them uh, ask ask me i guess we need to rebrand it to ask us anything uh we're gonna have an episode two we're gonna record an episode two and we'll release that in a few weeks and we will do our best to get to your questions now if listening to this episode has sparked other questions in your mind that you want to ask us go ahead just find the link uh for for that form where you can submit a question or if you can't find it in some of the show notes on some of the previous episodes just just look us up on social media and send us a message well thank you so much for listening share this episode if you can uh if you haven't left us a review yet leave us a review and uh we hope to have you listen to us again sometime. So I'm Adam Shaw. And I'm Steph. And thank you so much for listening today. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. And God bless you very, very much. <laughs>